0: You're tuned in to the Tin roof Farm Radio Show, a podcast from Greenville, South Carolina, on all things food, beverage, locally roasted coffee, and craft beer. I'm John Malik, the lesser half of Greenville's best-loved chef couple, John and Amy Malik, and we're broadcasting from our Tin roof Farm in Piedmont, South Carolina. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the show. So for the inaugural podcast, how about an introduction to Tin Roof Farm and John and Amy? So Tenroo Farm, that's our hobby farm in Piedmont. Uh, we live a few miles south of Greenville. We've got three acres, and at any time during the year, we might harvest raspberries or green beans, lettuce, tomatoes, eggplant, squash, okra, peppers, and more tomatoes. We keep honeybees, and we have about two dozen chickens. We've got two goats and one very feisty, narragansett tom turkey. Along with our three cats and two dogs and all this dirt, we really have our hands full. My wife I met in culinary school in New Orleans. We fell in love and were married about a year and a half after we both ended up working at the same restaurant, Christians, in New Orleans. She grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm a native of South Louisiana. And after graduation, we ended up in Mount Pleasant, across the river from Charleston, as chefs and innkeepers at the Guild's Inn, which is now the old village posthouse, which is owned by the Halls Group, we loved our time in Charleston. But when my wife was offered the chance to help develop a fast-growing uh, Italian startup restaurant with eyes on Greenville, we jumped at the chance to move up here. At the time, I was chef de cuisine of the Mills House Hotel, and I've got lots of stories about the ghosts that may or may not haunt its nooks and crannies. In our 25 years here in Greenville, I spent five of those as chef of the Augusta Grill. Three of those as executive chef, food and beverage director of two different retirement communities. um, The one in um, Traveler's Rest and then the Cascades and the Verde development in Greenville. But it's our eight years at 33 Liberty where most of Greenville knows us from. Uh, We had a little 45 seat restaurant right off. 291 near where the fresh market is right now and that little restaurant made it into numerous magazines newspapers tv shows you name it too many to count and in the spring of 2008 i received a james beard semifinalist nomination for best chef in the southeast and when that happened i thought we were good for another 20 years and six months later the u.s economy was in a shambles as was our business We closed 30 Through Liberty at the end of 2008, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss it. Now, I earn my keep as a restaurant coach and consultant, and I help food and beverage operations become successful. I've often considered going back into the business, but the hours are brutal, and I believe if I can help a dozen operations a year become successful, then my time is better spent. My wife manages special events for Christ Church, which is our church, and she doesn't miss the restaurant business like I do. She still loves to, loves to bake, and her cakes and pies and candies, cupcakes, her ice creams, her desserts were legendary for the eight years that we were open. My first guest for the inaugural Tin Roof Farm Radio Show is Christian Hansen. And if you've been at the downtown farmer's market here in Greenville, South Carolina, In the last couple years, you've probably run into Christian. He owns Blue Ridge Creamery, and he makes all those beautiful cheeses by hand with local milk. He's also a third-generation cheesemaker, and I'm happy to have him here in the studio. Thank you for joining us, Christian. Thanks for having me. Good to be here third-generation dairy guy, huh? Th- or is he, are you third-generation cheesemaker?
1: So the uh, the background there is that I'm from Denmark originally. On my mom's side of the family, her grandfather, my great-grandfather, owned his own creamery, made uh, cheese and other milk products, and my grandfather also worked in a creamery most of his life. It was a, a bigger commercial operation where they were doing mostly separating the liquid milk into to cream and butter, not actually cheese making, but yeah, we've got we've got two generations of it in the past, and and now I'm number three.
0: So do you think there'll be a fourth generation Hanson? Have, you, have your kids taken a shine to the to the entire cheese making operation, or were they like my kids when they were little and they hated coming into the restaurant and picking parsley and peeling shrimp and pulling little thyme leaves off the off the off the thyme stems?
1: They have not taken to it. Uh, <laughs> Bringing them to the shop, as we call it, is uh, is, is their definition of hell. So I'd I'd, I'd be very surprised if uh, if if there's a fourth generation. Uh, so would
0: you like to adopt a little cheese maker? Is that is there absolutely. somebody in our audience who's got a got a ten year old?
1: <laughs> if you've got a nerd who loves curd, we uh, we want them.
0: So why cheese, Christian? I mean, wasn't there something more pressing that 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 demanded your attention, or did you just one day just say, you know what? dog on it. I I can't get a decent blue cheese in this town. Pardon my pardon my clumsy reference. <laughs> However, uh, why cheese?
1: So the short answer there is is that a few years ago we were living in and I say a few 10 plus years ago we were living in Austin, Texas. My wife and I were both working for for Dell at the time and I'd become very disillusioned with the corporate world and so I started playing with this idea of having a little bit of what I call a hippie farm, where I'd have some chickens for eggs, uh, maybe a, a pig or two that we could we could harvest, and and then start playing with this idea of, of having goats,
0: like and, what I have.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So so making goats, having goats, and, and making our own cheese, and and I got really close to buying a herd of goats before I, I had the good sense to say maybe I should try <laughs> making cheese at home before uh, before I I invest in in a bunch of animals. And you know, I, I within a bunch a batch or two. Really found my calling, um, in, in making cheese, fell in love with it, quickly decided that I wanted to eventually make a business out of it and, and also learned that if I'm honest with myself, I'm too lazy to be a, uh, a dairy farmer. It's a, it's a really, really tough gig that offers no days off, no vacations. And that's, that's not for me.
0: So with, the, with the cheese making thing, though, you've got time off, you've got vacations, you've got all these, all the benefits that, a that a, uh, a dairyman would not have, right?
1: we we like to describe the comp plan as uh no pay and shitty benefits exactly
0: <laughs> so christian with respect to uh making the actual cheese what has been your biggest challenge on that learning curve i mean were you did your grandfather pass anything down to you did you have notes was there books was there
1: so everything that that i've learned up to to this point has been the result of reading books doing internet research um reaching out to other people on, on cheese making boards. Um, we did not have any sort of a history handed down as as far as cheese recipes are concerned. The, uh, the, the biggest challenge, it's hard to name one, it, you know, everything from just figuring out how to source our milk reliably and, and on a volume that makes sense, figuring out, you know, not just how to make the cheese. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, cheese making is one day out of the year uh, for each batch, but it's months worth of tending to that cheese in the cave. Whether that means that it's a cheese that needs brushing to keep the mold down, or whether it's a cheese that we brine or or hand wash, um, cheese making is a, a months long process. I, I probably touch each wheel of cheese on average fifty or sixty times before it ever ends up in, in in a customer's hand. So just trying to juggle all of those those different. Steps from sales to production. How to hire people. Um, It's it's definitely been a a huge huge learning curve for me.
0: My wife and I got married. So my mother, who grew up in Mexico, she cooked all the time at home, and her mother taught her how to cook. And so when she got married, my grandmother gave my mother this handwritten cookbook of some of her favorites. And so when I got married, my mom surprised us. She had all these all of my favorites. Um, this handwritten cookbook that she created for us. And there was a few photographs in there, but mostly it was just it was just her notes where she jotted down things. This is, you know, how this particular cake, how you should make this particular cake, or this particular loaf of bread. Or and she was a, a very imaginative cook. She would think nothing of spending three, four hours in the, in the kitchen. So I think I was fortunate on 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 that side to. Um, to have, uh, you know, my mother's passed away now, but to have this, uh, this reminder uh, in her own handwriting of uh, why I became a chef. So with that in mind, were you, did, was there anything in your family? I know you said your, your grandfather and your great-grandfather were dairymen. Was there anything in your family? Did, did they hand down anything? Was there handwritten notes or handwritten um, anything that they kept, recollections that you had access to?
1: So the honest answer to that is, is no. Um, quite frankly, you know, we have a a really strong sort of food eating tradition in our family. Again, I'm from Denmark. So I I definitely grew up with a, a a sort of legacy, I guess, if you want, of, uh, of of knowing and loving certain types of food. Um, I, I didn't have those, Recipes as far as it pertained to cheese, but I think when you look at cheese recipes or, or cheese styles from around the world, that's that's kind of the legacy that we all are working off of as cheesemakers. You know, cheeses like Brie and Camember- Camembert developed, uh, you know, outside of Paris because there was ready access to a market there. So the the wife of the uh, of the house could make cheese, turn it around, and sell it in a week or so, and cheeses like the the swiss style cheeses or parmigiano you know these giant wheels of cheese were ones that were an effort to to um cheeses like the swiss the alpine style cheeses these these big giant wheels of uh, of gruyere or even italian cheeses like parmigiano you know those were made in that style in an effort to consolidate all of the the nutrients the energy from the grass up in the mountains and then they would bring that down at the end of the year so the the sort of Cookbook, if you will, of of cheeses is one that doesn't necessarily come from my family, but sort of the the family of, of cheese making from from around the world. As corny as that sounds,
0: now for uh, Parmesan, the the recipe for Parmesan is what a thousand years old, maybe more. And it right. was it was used to pay uh, uh, cheeses like cheeses like that were used to pay taxes or to uh, homage to the king or to the or to the ruler, or, and it was a way because. Money, the idea that money would change hands, uh, that's fairly recent, you know, um, uh, institution. Uh, even though coinage dates back to uh, the Romans, uh, Roman era, but long, long time, uh, craftsmen would pay their taxes or to the to the lord or the king or whoever their you know their their ruler was with uh, by bartering and by creating something.
1: Right. Yeah, cheese is interesting because you have that that aspect to it. You know, historically you think salt and gold and and guns were you know, any any kind of weapon were were sort of the, the standard bearers of of how you could have wealth that you could take with you. Cheese was an early one of those as well. Uh, one of the earliest preserved foods. So we always think of smoking food and, and salting food as as ways of of preserving it. But cheese making is, you know, is just as ancient and you know the basic idea where that value comes from is that again I can trap the energy from three or four summer months and keep it into keep it in a, in a form that will will nourish me or or allow me to trade it for something else during those depths of winter where there was no other food around. Yeah,
0: great observation. So Christian, if you if uh, you go out to a restaurant and well, let's say you've you've been to one of your favorite restaurants and they've got of course Blue Ridge Creamery on the menu has there been a particular dish that you've had that has really like taken one of your cheeses and expressed it out to the nth degree something that just like knocked your socks off
1: you know a couple of times um we're lucky that we get to work with some really amazing chefs so it's it's an honor to be on like me, like you right? <laughs> <laughs> um you know we, but, seriously. <laughs> we, but seriously we we work with so many like great chefs that i i really admire and um yeah you know i, I think sort of some of my favorite food is is when someone does something that's just unexpected right whether it's you take a what would normally be a savory dish and and somehow you reinterpret it as, as a dessert or you know you take a ceviche and do it as something warm um and sometimes you think of cheese in these very rigid sort of rules of like this either has to be melted or it has to be shaved on, you know, on top of the salad. So, um, you know, I think the, the time that it's most exciting is not necessarily just when it's my cheese on a cheese plate by itself, but when it's used in a way that, gosh, you know, I, I never would have imagined pairing this with.
0: So if you're going to cook at home, if you were going to make, let's say, something that we would all make, like a grilled cheese sandwich. Mm-hmm. Right, tomatoes are at the height right now. They're they're starting to disappear. But if you had fresh tomatoes and and a nice loaf of bread, uh, and you know four or five of your cheeses at hand, what are you gonna do?
1: In all honesty, this is probably not the answer you expect. But I'm I'm kind of a purist when it comes to cheese in the sense that I don't cook with it an awful lot. I really like to just enjoy it stand alone. Um, I'll even kind of issue bread or crackers to go with it, just because I feel like those you know just just change the way your mouth tastes the the product itself um now that's not to say i don't love a good grilled cheese um but i i much i much prefer to taste a cheese for for what it is on its own than i do uh cooking with it necessarily and i think that's a, an answer that's dissatisfactory to a lot of people especially at the market <laughs> you know folks will say what do i do with this and i, right. I want to say well, just eat the damn thing
0: <laughs> all right so christian tell us uh What are your plans for next year? Are you working on something big? Is there something in the pipeline, something that you're not doing right now that you've got planned for next year?
1: We've got lots in the pipeline. um, And really, it's just uh, mostly based around um, growth. We've, over the past couple of months, gotten up to the point where we're consistently selling about 100 to 150 pounds of cheese, um, wholesale and retail combined. And our goal for the end of the year. And uh, and we're recording this in, in late August now. Our goal for the end of the year is to get up to where we're producing and, and hopefully selling 500 pounds per week. That's kind of the, the threshold that we sat down and decided is the point at which we can pay ourselves, you know, pay our bills and and make this sustainable for our families. Because um, my my wife, bless her heart, has been financing this financing this venture out of her paycheck for the better part of three years. So um, we we have to we have to make the cheese pay now.
0: Gotcha. So, so Christian, where can we find your cheese? Remind us now.
1: Sure. So, um, we have our own little storefront that will be opening in uh, in late September. We kind of did a, a trial run in the early part of this year, but really wanted to focus most of our time on our wholesale business. Wholesale.
0: So you can you can say yeah. it. Come on, <laughs> come on. We're counting on you.
1: <laughs> so we have our own small storefront up in Travelers Rest that will be reopening in late September. We uh we opened it as a sort of trial run in the early part of the year, but really wanted to focus more time on our uh, storefront or, or sorry, wanted to focus more time on our, our wholesale business. Um but you can find us at Swamp Rabbit Cafe. They are the only other place around that we sell retail wrapped cheese to. Um we also sell locally to uh the greatest restaurants in town like the Anchorage, Husk, G B and D, Stella's Brasserie and um bistro exactly yeah, yeah um gyros uh the the list kind of goes on and on so we're yeah. we're we're lucky to have great support locally and then we started working with uh with grow food to distribute down into uh to Charleston a few months back nice. and, and that's taking off which is awesome yeah so we're uh buy
0: cheese online
1: you can um we uh we'll start shipping again at the end of September during the summer months it's just too expensive and, and the quality suffers if we try to ship outside of the state Gotcha. Um, yeah. But we're uh, we're ramping up for the holiday shopping season here soon, so um, you know hopefully yeah. that'll be a, a, yeah. a big so source. Hopefully, uh,
0: guys like me will find cheese in our stocking. Right?
1: That's exactly it. Yeah.
0: Well, Christian, thank you so much for joining us here on the Tin Roof Farm Radio Show. I'm a I'm a big fan of this guy. When you're downtown, when you're at the farmers market, you're at the at the uh, Swamp Rabbit Cafe. Uh, don't flinch when you see the price of his cheese. This is a lot of labor goes into that. A lot. It's it's a local product, local milk. And a lot of hand labor, and it's excellent cheese. So, thank you very much for joining us, Christian. We appreciate you coming into the studio today and and sharing your knowledge and your love and your passion, uh, folks. If y'all are out at the farmers market, or if you're at the Swamp Rabbit Cafe, or you see his his cheese on a menu, don't flinch at the price. There's a lot of labor in that. Trust me, there's a lot of labor in what he does, and it's all local milk, and it's all handmade, and it is beautiful cheese so uh, please get out there and support them. This has been John Malick and Christian Hansen from the Tin Roof Farm Studio in Piedmont, South Carolina. Thank you so much. The Tin Roof Farm Radio Show is a production of Jack Russell Social Media, and our music is all gussied up by John Starcluster. Thank you for listening.